going to open up the Bible. I read this this morning and I loved it. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the fate of sinners and the happiness of believers. It is a light to direct you. It's a food to nourish you and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's roadmap, the pilot's compass, the soldier's weapon, and the player's game plan. It's a mine of incredible wealth, a river of genuine joy. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Christ is its grand subject. Your good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be spiritually healthy. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. Let it fill your memory, rule your heart, and guide your steps. It is given to you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and judge those who trifle with its sacred contents. Amen. That's me done for today. It's good, isn't it? We're going to open up God's Word now. We're going to read from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And it's at the home of Mary and Martha and Mary, or Mary and Martha, or M&M, as I like to call them. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Amen. That's God's word to us this morning. I'm just going to move this. Felt like it was moving about a wee bit. I want to start with a story, and my story is of a Soviet leader called Nikita Khrushchev. Excuse my pronunciation. And he told of a time where there was a wave of petty theft in the Soviet Union. To curtail this, the authorities put up guards all around the factories because of the theft. And at one timber works in Leningrad, the guard knew the workers in the factory really well. The first evening, out came a man called Peter Petrovich with a wheelbarrow. And on the wheelbarrow was a great bulky sack with a suspicious looking object inside. All right, Petrovich, said the guard. What have you got in there? And he said, oh, it's just sawdust and shavings. Petrovich replied, come on. The guard said, I wasn't born yesterday. Tip it out. And out came nothing but sawdust and shavings. So he was allowed to put it all back and go home. When the same thing happened every night of the week, the guard became really frustrated. Finally, his curiosity overcame his frustration. Petrovich, I know you. Tell me what you're smuggling out of here, and I'll let you go. Wheelbarrows, my friend. Wheelbarrows. We are continuing our series called Every Day with Jesus. I want to look at how we're doing our everydays, to make the most, to not miss out. And the topic today, I think, is one of the enemies 
or can often be the enemy's greatest and most subtle ploys uh, in creating distance between us and Jesus, and it's distraction, distraction. And uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And a broad view of distractions, studies on distraction, show us the following. An average of 2.1 hours is lost to distraction every day. The average time spent on a task before we get distracted is 11 minutes. After a distraction, it takes us a further, on average, 25 minutes to get back to the original task. 50% of employees say they're distracted by their phones at the workplace. And I think uh, one of the biggest distractions in our every days with Jesus and growing deeper with Him and seeking His best for our lives, for our marriages, for our children, for our careers, is the phone, is the digital world. It's social media, the internet, technology, devices. With the never-ending stream of demands and the never-ending stream of choice vying for our attention and headspace. There's a battle every day that goes on to compete for our time, our money, our energy. And it's a battle that a lot of us are struggling with. It's a battle that will affect most of us, but also our young people. As I was preparing this, I was just feeling for our young people in this generation. It's a battle where our young people are bearing the brunt of the force of this as they grow up. In 1971, the psychologist Herbert Simon, he wrote this, the wealth of information means the dearth of something else, a poverty of attention. The sheer scale of information has diminished our attention. Have you ever tried to watch something in the evening? And between the choice of things that you've got, I don't know about you guys, but we would spend the whole evening trying to choose something to watch for the evening, and then the evening's finished, and then we don't watch anything. Anyone else like that? Yes. I want to go on record to say as I start this that all these things have real positives as well. Don't get me wrong. It's great to stay in touch and have that connectivity. It's great to share moments. It's great to have advancement in technology. They don't call me Techie Tommy for nothing. Uh, there's lots of positive change. There is. There's lots of positivity around it. But the evidence suggests that some of the advancements have had severe detrimental effects, which will become a surprise, uh, as no surprise to many of us. There's a direct link between social media use and increased levels of anxiety and depression. Studies consistently find increased isolation commonplace and decreased physical social interaction less and less, and actually uh, a desire for them becomes diminished as well. The increase in connection is severely impacted due to technology. Growing research has also shown that increased usage of social media has a negative effect on ma our marriages and our relationships as well. Bright screen use and the light it emits, I don't know too much about this, but having read about it, it impacts our sleep, the type of light that uh, devices emit. It impacts our sleep and sleep quality, which leads to impacting on mental health, studies have shown as well. Excessive use of social media is also shown to have effects on parenting, causing parental distraction, decreasing the level of everyday parental engagement as well. And uh, you might have heard the dopamine cycle that happens when we partake in social media. We look for our hit 
in certain technologies and it's a vicious cycle that gets into every part of our days that every small space is then seized upon a quick look at the phone to find that fix. I don't know about you guys, but I've noticed it myself as well. Whenever you have a minute, and I see everyone else as well, you know, whether it's waiting in a queue or whether it's waiting for our kids, this is the picture of our day. We look to fill that space. And as I look at my life, over the last few months, it's a battle that I have become more acutely aware of in my day-to-day. And we as a family have become more aware of. And it's a battle that I feel compelled to speak about more. Uh, I feel compelled that it's a battle that I don't want to lose. It's a battle that I want us as a church to face head-on in our everydays. Because what I found in my battle is that Jesus can often be squeezed out because of that. And I don't want us to miss out. I don't want us to look back in 20 years and look at what has distracted and impacted us in a negative way. I wonder what the distraction of phones and social media looks like for each of us in our everyday. Maybe we're sitting here and it isn't an issue at all. That's amazing. That's that's so good. But there will be someone that you know that you are connected to where it will be. And maybe you are part of the encouragement and answer in pointing to Jesus in that. So I want you to hear my heart on this. This is not a you. This is an us moment. This is a everyone journeying this together. And I really feel the Lord uh, pointing to calling this out this morning. So in the passage that we read, we have a very famous encounter that Jesus had in Luke chapter ten. He's just sent out the seventy-two to go to go and cast out demons, to go and heal the sick. He continues his teaching and he reaches a village where a lady opens our home to him. Martha opened the home, hospitable, generous, kind, an incredible host. Come on in, Jesus. My house is open. There's three things I want to share this morning, three uh, challenges to do with distraction in our everyday, uh, with particular focus on the power and pull of technology devices. The first thing I want to share is get back in the room. Get back in the room. I got home uh, one night this week, and I'd been walking home. My bike, I needed to fix something in my bike, so I couldn't take my bike. And I'd ran a marathon six weeks ago. I've got to throw that in there at every available opportunity. But I don't feel quite ready to get running again. I might be seeing that again in a year's time. Who knows? But I thought I'll get back into just walking home. It's a lovely half-hour walk. And I don't know about you guys, but that time between getting home and leaving work or leaving you know, the space that you've been working in and getting home, it's good to have a window where you can just unpack, where you can process. For some of us, it might be a train. For some of us, it might be a car journey. For some of us, it might be a walk. But I love that. I get to walk along by the river, and it's just beautiful in the autumn to be able to do that, and uh, all the colors, and I just love it. I love it. And I feel actually I'm a better person by the time I get home, uh, having had that time. So I get home, I see the boys, they run, they give me a cuddle, I say, hi boys, and I get the kettle on, and then my phone pings, and it's an email, and I open the email, And I have this lovely cup of coffee and I'm sitting at the breakfast bar and 
It's like at that moment when I open the email, I'm transported into another planet. Full attention is given to this email, what to do with it, how to reply, where, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just stewart. It's consumed me. And Mary's speaking to me at that moment, but I'm gone. I'm gone. I can hear. I can't hear the, what she's saying. I'm just so consumed in what I read on my phone. And then she says this word, she says these words, get back in the room, Thomas. Get back in the room, Thomas. It was like, it was almost like a hypnotist. And you're back in the room. You know, she's like, drawn me back. Get back in the room. And it was a word. It was a word. And it hurt. And it challenged me deeply. I wonder if what I've just explained Have any of us had those moments? Maybe it isn't email related, but we get so worked up and lost in our heads that we lose the space being gifted to us by the Lord in the everyday. For some of us, whether it's at home being as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, at church, there's an invitation this morning from the Father to get back in the room. And these devices often are consuming and distracting us to the point that we're never fully present. And there's a gnawing, there's, there's, there's a, a gnawing for checking our phones, there's a, a longing, or there's just a constant whir of activity and pressure in our minds. We're here at church or around the table or in the living room with the family, but we're maybe missing in action. Maybe the Lord is imploring us to get back in the room and to be present and to just be there. Martha opens the home She invites Jesus into the house, and then she gets busied up in what needs doing. In verse 40, we read that she is distracted. She's distracted. Her sister is doing something that women shouldn't have done at that time. She's sitting at Jesus' feet as he teaches. It's a remarkable picture. And actually, as I read this passage, as I try to enter into it, as I try to look at what's going on, I feel for Martha. Because I think her heart's there. It is. I can see her and I recognize her. But it's like she's so caught up that she doesn't get to see Jesus. And when reading this, I just feel like in the distractions, which can often be good things that need to be done, I want to shout in this passage, get back in the room, Martha. Get back in the room. Jesus is here. Don't miss out. Get back in the room. And as I shouted that as I was reading the passage, I was shouting to myself, get back in the room, Thomas. Your boys are ready for a wrestle. Your wife's ready for a chat. As I'm here in church, Jesus is here. Get back in the room. Get back in the room. I'm ready to speak. There's a reminder here to go and be with Jesus. Put that first in our everyday, to be attentive, to not get distracted by these, to not get sucked in by these, to not be ruled by these, to not get distracted by what needs done, but to look to Jesus first, to go where he is, not to get caught and lost in the good things when there's Jesus things waiting for us. I wonder what it looks like for us I wonder what our time right now with the Father looks like each day in the everyday. I wonder what we could change 
what one change we know we could make to get back in the room. There's perhaps a call to get back into these spaces with renewed purpose and focus to fight distraction and to stay in the room. There's perhaps a call to look at time in our marriages, time as parents, time as friends, to be more present and in the room. Perhaps it's just a wake-up call in moments we just get lost in our heads and zone out and don't bring our best selves to the people that we love. Maybe for some of us, that's quite a hard thing to hear this morning, and it breaks our heart. We would love to just create a space to pray and to ask Jesus into that. So I, I feel that the Father wants to do some really sweet stuff in restoring what's been stolen uh, with this. It's not lost. It's not lost. Maybe life is overwhelming just now. I had a real sense of that during our worship for a number of us. Maybe, maybe that was the case for Martha. We don't know. Or maybe there was just a pressure for things to be a certain way, a pressure for things to look a certain way. Maybe there was a pursuit of perfection. Or maybe she just felt the constant weight and pressure of doing rather than being. So I feel there's an invitation to get back in the room in our everyday with Jesus. Secondly, step back and see what is important. Step back and see what is important. One day, the Chamber of Commerce in a small town invited a successful businessman to come and speak and to share. The local economy was struggling and they were discouraged. So his job was to come into this space and to motivate him. We could do with that now, really, couldn't we? He took a large piece of white paper and he made a red dot in the center of it. And he said, what do you see? What do you see? He asked the audience. One person said, I see a red dot. Fine, but what else do you see? Another one said, a red dot. No, what else do you see? And everyone just kept saying, a red dot and a red dot and a red dot. And then he said, don't you see anything else besides the dot? And the whole audience said resoundingly, no, I don't see anything else. He said, you've overlooked the most important thing. You've missed seeing the sheet of paper. Then he went on to explain that in life, we're often distracted by the small dot-like failures and experiences. They keep us from seeing the blessings and successes that are more important than the disappointments that try to monopolize our attention, that try to capture us and drain our energy. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote, a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Opportunity and obstacles, they go together like macaroni and cheese, or fish and chips. Now, Paul never discounted the reality of the opposition that he faced. He just chose to focus on the opportunity it presented. One poet wrote, two men looked through prison bars, one saw mud, the other stars. What are we looking at? Are we so preoccupied with uh, what is that you've lost sight of what can be? Sometimes it's helpful to step back, to look at the bigger picture. Tim Keller, in his study of this passage, says that Mary decided what was important, and she did not let the day-to-day -day get 
her away from that. There's something about the lens that we view the everyday, isn't there? Oh, there's a squeaky bit of floor there. What vantage point do we view from? There's something about taking a step back to see what is distracting us, to see the big picture, to step in with renewed focus. You can imagine it, can't you? Jesus, welcoming Jesus at the door. Amazing, it's great to see you. Come on in, head through here. We've got a room. Take a seat. Oh, the disciples are here too. Okay, have I got enough chairs? Oh, okay, yeah. Hopefully I'm going to have enough chairs. I'll get some music on as well. Mary, welcome him in there. Get him comfy. Get them all comfy. Runs back in. It's Jesus. We've got so much to do. The house is in a state. Nothing's clean. Everything's in a mess. There's nothing in the fridge. There's only red milk. There's only two digestives. What are we going to do? We need to get everything ready. Where is Mary? She said she would help. She's through there. She's sitting at his feet. Why is she sitting? What's going on? We read in verse 40. She's getting really annoyed. Tell her to help me. Then we have Jesus, who I think in this moment, as he speaks to her, I don't think he's angry. I think there's a softness and an affirmation of sorts in this, but also there's a clear message that she's anxious and worried about things that are not as important as spending time with him. Distractions will often skew what's really important. What can wait and what can't wait. And in our days, in today's world, the pull and temptation of our phones and devices and technology play a big part in our everyday lives where almost all of it can wait. But because they play such a powerful, connected role in our lives, our perspective can get so caught up in the need to know. I remember watching uh, a movie once. I can't remember the movie, what the movie was called, but there was a scene, and they were in a coffee shop, and there was four people, and they were just chatting. And you know the way you get into a chat about uh, they were chatting about a movie and an actor, and they were trying to think of the actor's name. You know that way you do it? And one of the guys said, I'll just Google it. And he grabs his hand, and he goes, why don't we just not know? And you could see that guy just squirming, just like really twitching, you know, the rest of the scene. Why don't we just not know? Oh, my voice went a bit funny there. bit scary there, didn't it? Why don't we just not know? There's something about today's culture and what we have here that creates the pressure of needing to know. And so often in that, our time with Jesus gets squeezed out. Or we find it difficult because our brains have been changed and charged to engage and respond so differently due to technology. How we listen, watch, and read has changed. And we maybe get agitated when we're without our phone. We maybe get anxious when we go a day without checking someone else's news. We maybe get frustrated when somebody takes longer than a day to reply to us on WhatsApp when we've seen that they've read the message. And Jesus is saying, just take a step back and see what's important. It's not this. It's time with me, and it's time with each other. 
I wonder how many of us are being invited to step back and see what's important. And then the final point, take back our day-to-day. Take back our day-to-day. I just felt that for some of us, Jesus wants us to take back our days. And that in hearing this, we know exactly what needs to change when it comes to, to this. And lots of things that we could maybe do practically. I'm just going to share a few ideas. You can put your phone to bed. So you can buy little beds for your phones. And like tuck them in at night. Put them cozy. Maybe don't get an electric blanket. That might do something to your phone that maybe you don't want to happen. But just tuck them in at night at a certain point and go, okay, we'll see you in the morning. Hope you have a good sleep. If you cry, I'm, not, I'm just leaving you. And you just enjoy your evening to the morning time. Put your phone to bed. Look at your first move. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? One eye. A wee scroll. What's the, fir- what's the first move? What's the first move? It's a challenge, isn't it? What's the first thing we go to? What's the first thing we do? How's Jesus in that? Where's Jesus in that? And please hear me when I'm saying that. This hits me hard as well. We're journeying this together. But where is Jesus in those first moments of our day? There's a mode on your phone that you could get that's called focus mode. I don't know if folk know about this. But you can turn off certain notifications and set up your day so that you don't get bombarded by certain things. It's a real game changer if you set it up correctly, but perhaps that's a a good practical step to take as well. A fast Friday is another one as well, as we fast together every Friday and pray uh, through certain things to do with church life. It could be that fasting could have, it could be to do with technology. Change passwords as well, maybe to some Bible verses. Maybe some things that just help us think about Jesus and think about our walks with him and, and challenge us in that as well. But also as well, just to ask some questions as we go by our day-to-day. And we have distractions. I want to say as well, distractions can be, there can be, God can use them as well. So there's a couple of things, just as I come to a close. There could be divine appointment distractions. Is there an, is thinking in this moment, I'm being distracted, asking Is there an invitation here to love or to move with the Spirit? Is there actually God traction in this distraction? If so, push in, give out, and tell someone what God is doing. So is it a divine distraction? Secondly, is it a distraction that requires discipline? Is it a route that I have chosen that needs clear limits and accountability? I'm on Facebook, but I only want to go on 15 minutes a day. Perhaps there's an invitation to tell someone about that and to journey that. Okay, I need some discipline around this distraction. I'm going to chat to someone and I want them to ask me. Ask me about this. Or is it a destructive distraction? Is this impacting regularly my life, my life and those around me? I need help and I need somebody to journey with me. So there's a conversation perhaps with someone. I'm really struggling with this. It's like consuming me. I have this need and longing to know everything, and actually, I'm neglecting what's around me just now. Do we need someone alongside us? Do we need to ask Jesus into that? 
So underpinning all of this in our every days with Jesus and making sure distractions aren't messing up our lives is spending time also uh, with those we do life with. We need each other as those three examples I've shared and the responses to that involve each other and to be open and vulnerable as well. And I just wonder, I just wonder the potential of that if we were to look at our distractions in our everyday, if we were to give that time to Jesus, if we were to chat and be open with one another and invite the Holy Spirit in what he would do in this coming week. So our everyday with Jesus, our distractions, to put these in the rightful place and to put Jesus in his rightful place. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand?